Hi, I'm Roxy. And I'm Priska. And we are the, the Two Honey Goats. Beautiful. Where does two horny goats climbing the mountain of life? Eating Asian American stereotypes for breakfast. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode nine, where we talk about female pleasure and sexual ownership. Ah, yes. Ah. <laughs> I think our most popular episode was our sex episode, so we're just going to be bringing oh, it back. It? Because I, oh. We think that you guys just love Are to hear us horny? talk about sex. Are you, Are you just looking up the word horny in the <laughs> Apple-like podcast you know, world and you're like, oh, horny, I'm in. But Priska, like, I, you were the one who thought of this topic, which is yeah. very interesting. And why do you think it's so important that uh, we talk about it? I think the patriarchy definitely has a big hold in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it definitely enters the bedroom. And I think in talking to some of my male friends it's not something i think that anyone is intentionally doing but it's part of the culture it's part of how we've been trained to think and so i just wanted to kind of bring it up and have a frank conversation about it because i don't think we talk about it enough i think so too and also the fact that like women don't talk about it with each other especially women within our community as we were growing up you know yeah when like when was your first understanding of what an orgasm was not not just your experience with it but um when was like the first conversation you had around it bitch i don't fucking know (laughs) right i think in college right it was it with friends or in a class with friends okay what was that conversation like was it awkward was it weird you know even it's so strange now that i think about it like even in groups with like girlfriends and stuff like that they don't like to share what happens sexually yeah you know with their partners and stuff and i think it was um i don't think there's like a lot of honesty also i think that people were projecting and interesting you know lying about a lot of it because we wanted to come off very experienced and very seasoned you know like still during that time you were just projecting a lot so i don't know how much of it was honest yeah because i feel like at the time um i remember friends talking about it and they were like saying they were having great crazy sex um and i really believe them because you know that seems so much fun that seemed like so much fun um and then upon closer inspection kind of recognizing that oh they actually like i think the conquest itself could have been a lot of fun and like the 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 novelty of actually doing it was a lot of fun but Mm -hmm. the actually like the mechanics Mm -hmm. the um experiential aspect of of it may not mm-hmm. always have been up to um, the standard that we hold now you know what i mean a hundred percent like everyone's just like yeah you know and then they slept with each other and like oh, blah, blah, blah. oh my god you know yeah. and then like now they're dating it and like everyone liked to gossip everybody knew each other but like doesn't mean um, the sex so was much good, of it though. was just like yeah i think you're always answering what you think other people want to hear yeah and like things around consent um i know this isn't like our topic for today but i just remember a lot of conversations that um I guess like had to do with consent, but I didn't understand it in that framework, especially at the Mm -hmm. time. Um, Like, you know, oh, waking up and something's happening to you um, wasn't always framed as like a potential assault. You know, it was just things that happened after a drunken night at a frat party. Exactly. So I wonder how Gen Z is going to read a lot of these consent issues, you know, because I think as Mm -hmm. millennials, it was definitely blundering years of figuring out what consent meant. And I think upon like, like upon reflection, a lot of us realize we were in situations that we probably would not condone in the least Mm -hmm. bit today because we have more of an education. Yeah, it was just like tolerating certain behaviors, accepting certain behaviors just as the norm. Well, before we dive into everything, I want to ask you a question. What was the last movie you saw before the shutdown? 
you know, this this is like one of those sweet, sweet memories mm. when you think of your childhood and now <laughs> childhood. you just think sweet, sweet, nostalgic memories of yeah. what it was like to be in the fucking movie theater. Oh, my God. Um, the last movie I saw, I remember, was Emma. And oh. I watched it with Rochelle. And because we spontaneously bought, I feel so bad because I tricked her and not tricked her, but I persuaded <laughs> her to do this. Like we got like year long season passes at Universal Studios. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we just thought it was like the best idea ever to such do it a right good idea the, before the pandemic <laughs> hit, and then we can't go ever again for the rest of the oh year but we God. we both spot, we, we do this we, we get we get we were instigators and so we're just like yeah that like it's only like a hundred something dollars and then we could come every weekend you know what i mean <laughs> we're gonna and like, like see so the minions we're gonna like go through the zombie like walkthroughs <laughs> exactly. we, could, we could ride jurassic park over and over and oh over my again. gosh isn't it new didn't they redo it yeah it's terrible they use like um they use like the the animatronics are all gone it's all holograms now because it's like future why do they love holograms so much i don't know people just love future shit but it's anyways so like (laughs) there are days where i was just like yo ratch sometimes we could just go on jurassic park and only jurassic park for 25 times (laughs) we could have variety yeah or no variety like variety (laughs) or no variety yeah exactly no (laughs) I, i had a universal pass and it can be fun but it's not disneyland you know what um, I mean? Oh, nothing can ever compare to Disneyland. No. Also, who can actually afford Disneyland passes no. as a freelancer in Los Angeles? Yeah. No one. No one. <laughs> Except all of our friends had them in college because we yeah, just were using. How did that happen? I have no idea. I, I don't know how that logic works at all. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, babe? Um. Uh. So, okay. So you watched Emma. You watched it at the City Walk. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Is that Those your favorite theater? Times. Or do you like, what? what's your favorite theater in town? I like the Vista. Ooh, the Vista. Ooh, yeah. you're fancy. I was just oh god like those giant red curtains those weird like gargoyle type you know statuettes on the side of the theater the really far seating between you and the person in front of you it's like at least six feet apart so it's safe that's true get that art deco get that kitsch yeah seriously like and then the the old school like old timey like get your snacks at the lobby type of thing that they play at the very top and how they only play one movie and it's one theater like that is classic yes. cinema cinephile experience you i know? loved going to the uh cinerama with you um when we oh, watched lo- what did we watch we watched, we watched um suspiria. Uh, suspiria oh my gosh <laughs> we walked out of there and it was still like a.m and we hadn't even had brunch yet and we were just like what the fuck <laughs> did we just watch it, it was, was priscilla's idea and it was an incredible well, oh, idea you're putting it in, okay okay loved, oh incredible okay good. i loved i loved it i was like it is one of those so underrated good. films of 2019 I, it was like, really underrated it was like no pandered by critics talked about it yeah i'm really just dis- and i know it was a remake so i was kind of expecting more of like a cult following to come out and maybe if you like the original you i don't know i haven't seen the original yet but the original super like super saturated oh, and like very stylistically different and i just like i just love guadagnino Nino because if he could do call me by your yeah. name and then he did Suspiria I was like this is somebody Ooh, with like some range versatility Ooh, you know call what me I mean by your name yes wow oh, so many tears a, so many tears so many tears so many short shorts um yeah and okay your movie okay my movie um I watched 1917 and I watched it in Brooklyn with my sister and some of our friends and it was a great experience and we got plastered at the um bar downstairs which you know not something I always recommend but it's a great movie it was like that's the kind of movie that you have to see on a big screen you know what i mean there's like some of those like tenet right now like i know it's kind of getting mixed reviews but nonetheless it would have been one of those movies you have to see on a big screen 
Yes. You know? 1917 was fucking epic. Oh my gosh. That one like long take was oh insane. Oh my God. It's such an... Yeah. And also um, you, the, the scenes um, in that foggy nighttime shadowy oh, town. Oh, so gorgeous. Remember, using like um, the fireworks or the sparkers so to gorgeous. like light it and movement with Steadicam. It is crazy it's Deacons, an eyegasm like you are a fucking genius yes. thank you for existing on this earth thank sorry you. you have to exist through covid yeah oh, and i don't man. think I, I feel like if i had watched that like on my laptop i wouldn't have gotten this same experience from it because not only is it visually beautiful the sound design is so intricate as well and so you know i all and you know you're a filmmaker so all those like little like microscopic details um really really sing on the big screen but i think it It'd be a bit of a struggle. It'd be a bit of a struggle for that to be like a straight to Netflix movie for me. Well, I don't want to trigger you Uh-oh. again or oh, trigger no. myself again. Mulan? But it- <laughs> Do you think that if we watched it in the theater, yeah. I would have... It would have been a different experience. I think it would have been different. I don't think we I don't think it would eliminate any of the problems we had with it. But I think at least it would have like fulfilled like a visual checkmark for us, you know, but it was still overcut. So I think that that would have bothered you. And it was just like pretty for the sake of pretty isn't something that you really give a shit about either. So I think, no, no, actually, I think it would still have pissed you off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is no escape. Yes. Uh, But Rox, I I do want to talk about this. Um, We we posted a couple photos this past week um, because we had an episode on uh, spirituality and, you know, religion um, and self-care. And so I posted a photo of me in the baptism pool on my on my my baptism day. Yes. Yes. Tell us all about that. So we talked a little bit about it or I wrote a little bit in my IG story and I was just kind of saying like, you know, it was like a really mixed bag. Like it was a really weird day, but it was really cute that my dad, you know, got to be the one to baptize me. Um, and, you know, I was like, I have all sorts of feelings about this. And my mom texted me basically like a three paragraph. OK, she's going to say I'm exaggerating. So like a one and a half paragraph text message. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of saying like, you know, y- your dad and I, you know, she's like seeing this photo really brings back good memories, which was really sweet. Um, and she was kind of saying your dad and I remember how how much you wanted to get baptized and in fact we lowered the lower limit of the baptism age we lowered the church policy on um age to allow you to get baptized and i was like i hear you mom like i really i hear you and i'm like you know i am still trying to figure out how much of it was me and how much of it was what i wanted because they wanted it you know mm. um do like, you have memories of that of you wanting that and yeah, localizing that i definitely 100 percent. i wanted to be an a plus student i wanted to mm. be the best possible christian and i was a pastor's kid so i was like if i'm not the best like that's going to be really embarrassing for me you know so i wanted to speak in tongues i wanted to get baptized i wanted to get all the things i wanted to like be ahead of my age i always was like very proud that like I became a Christian at three years old because um, I was like up like vomiting all night with like the stomach flu and then my mom prayed for me and then the next morning I was no longer sick and so she basically said to me she's like well God healed you like and then kind of shared the gospel with me and I accepted God into my heart at three years old um, and I used to lord that over all of the kids at Sunday school all of the kids and I would fuck with like adults and they'd be like I've been a Christian for five years and I'm like well I'm eight years old and I've been a Christian for five years so suck it oh my god you are so intense i was diabolical but you know that's so crazy that was literally (laughs) the environment i grew up in and it was like 
my parents' entire priority. And so um, basically I wrote back to my mom. I'm like, mom, I mean, I hear you. And it was such a mixed bag. And I'm like, I understand that like I at the time really, really, at least on the surface, at least what I revealed to you guys um, really wanted to to have this happen, you know, but I don't know one if I was ready for it, because how can a how can a 11 or 12 year old really know that, you know, and two, like I was like, I had to unlearn what was doing it for your desires versus doing it because it was something I was ready for. So it was just like an interesting conversation. And I think a couple of my other PK friends like reached out and they're like, yup, like bitch <laughs> can relate, you know? Um, and, and also like, I don't want to, I don't want to make my mom feel any worse about it because it's not her fault, like, you know, per se, but um, just the full on indoctrination and then the unlearning of that and the slow, like peeling away of that indoctrination is a lifelong process for all of us. But I think if you grow up specifically in a very hyper religious background, um, it comes with its own like challenges and caveats, you know? Well, no, for sure. Because it's just like, it's like what you mentioned in a previous episode, like our parents like to remember and hold on to our innocence yeah. and hold on to the past memories of us when they did mold us from clay, you know, and then we're impressionable all up until that moment when we're like 27. I think that's like the age where we fully develop ourselves totally. and recognize that we can start building and growing ourselves from that rather yeah. than being you know, influenced by other people. Right. And then, so, um, I think all of that is true. Like, it's interesting. I've been thinking about like how everybody else sort of, all the people around you sort of shape the narrative of your life mm. and they recall different things. You choose to remember certain things. You choose to forget certain things. And yeah. sometimes those are the people that choose to remember those holes in your history totally. you know what I mean totally and so it's just interesting every time they bring up something like that and you probably are just like but I'm not that person anymore doesn't mean that you know at least to them that was a true part of your history mm -hmm. in their book mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so beautiful but also Priscilla yes. um because LA has been gang banged by a sequence oh my of God. unfortunate events. Yep. Um, you went somewhere really fun this week. I Tell did. Us about that. I went out to Joshua Tree. My husband and I, we went out there and we just kind of took like a three, four day retreat um, in this really nice house with a pool and a hot tub. Not really a pool, like a little cowboy pool. Um, but it was really good for the mind and the body and the soul. And mm. um, I was really grateful for it, you know, and it was like clean and, you know, distance and we didn't leave the house but um it was good to just like change scenery like you know because if you're working at home and your office is at home like our dining table is both my husband's like studio um it's also where i work from and it's also like where we eat you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying so it's 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 kind of like too much going on in one space so it was nice to just kind of switch it up but okay before we dive into topic number one which is going to be female pleasure um Rox, i just want to ask you like has your mom given you know because when we started this podcast we were really anxious about what our moms were going to think about it you know has your mom given you any feedback or or mentioned anything that was surprising to you i think uh I think in the beginning, she was very anxious, mm -hmm. you know, I think about like what this was going to reveal in terms of our yep. family secrets or <laughs> blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But um, I actually feel like she's I don't think she's listening anymore. To <laughs> she's like, know, I think we're, yeah. And, and you know, I, I think that to all of our loyal audience, like, thank you so much for tuning in every single week. Mm -hmm. um, we love all of your messages. It really means the world to us yeah. to know that, like, 
doing this is making you feel heard and making us feel visible and hopefully we're all helping each other in this mm. so my mom like nowadays she just calls me and be like so how are you are you guys still doing the podcast I'm like yeah <laughs> hell yeah we are <laughs> we and didn't go she's anywhere. Like, you know she's like well are you are you planning on you know becoming famous I'm like I don't really know we're just doing it yeah. and this is a promise we made each other and like it's been very healing for us and that's that you know I think like just with the theme of 2020 take it one day at a time you know what I mean everything is still so fucking uncertain but short story long <laughs> I mean um you know I think she's let go and like uh I'm, I'm glad that we have found this rapport and like this pace and this rhythm yeah. and like we are just so 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 thankful to all of you goatees that continue to tune in we love all of you so um hopefully um all of these topics you know we we find great interest in it if you guys have you know suggestions feel free to ping at us you know we would love to hear from you all right okay. so without any further ado do 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 are we gonna uh, let's do it? dive do it? dive into uh into female <laughs> Pleasure. pleasure. Let's talk about the elusive orgasm. Yes. Um, The female orgasm. What a like a mysterious little thing there, huh? I mean, if you're just kind of record scratching down there, um, (laughs) it it can be its own great experience. But I think exploring the orgasm with a partner is its own thing. Is it difficult um, for you to climax with new people, Rox? Yes. Um, and also I am somebody who climaxes very easily. Really? Like, I I could come super easy if I trust the person. Um, so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it takes time for me to trust somebody. So oh. it's like I think but overall I, I think a lot of women say this as well, but I'm also curious to what you think about it because maybe this is the conditioning of prioritizing male pleasure in our history of sex. Sure. Is that like I, even if I don't orgasm, yeah. I very much enjoy the overall erotic experience. Totally. And I, I think like, I, yeah, I was definitely thinking about this. And like for it, for males, I feel like something like physiological or biological or whatever's going on, like if they have a boner, like they need to take care of it. Like mm-hmm. everything, like once the boner's happening, like everything um, like kind of pinholes and the only light is like is is coming like that's the only thing they can see nothing Mm -hmm. else matters and every action that they take is all about orgasming and i think females Mm -hmm. we're a little different obviously we get horny i mean hence the name of our podcast um but i i I think i i'm with you like we can enjoy a lot of different aspects of sex that doesn't have to necessarily be orgasming you know do you think that this comes into our dna though because like for so long like especially in marriages and in traditional partnerships it's like it's just about the male pleasure of having a baby, just reproducing, uh, a child, yeah. or reproducing. Like it doesn't really matter about female pleasure. The important part that he orgasms so that he could breed a child True. within you. True. True. So is this like embedded in us? I think it is embedded. I think it's definitely like, again, led by the patriarchy. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I, I'm glad that like, you know, romantic marriages have come to the fore in recent years. But even still, I mean, it's very difficult to do thousands and thousands of years of prioritizing male pleasure. Right. Yeah. But how about so for you, are you um, is it digital stimulation? Is it oral stimulation? Is it penetrative stimulation that does it for you? Uh, for me, it's penetrative stimulation. Really? Um, interesting. It's like interesting because I know that like uh, for some reason when someone goes down on me, I could never orgasm. Really? And, and I think it's a subconscious thing because I'm just like they're giving oh. and they're not receiving anything. Got it. So I think like 
sex for me for the longest time I was just like okay well as long as they're inside me if it's if it's a guy I'm like okay so I know they're receiving pleasure and I'm receiving pleasure so it's mutual therefore I feel comfortable to orgasm got you because it's hot to have them feel good yeah it's hot to have them feel pleasure it's so strange. It's like, I think um, when I first started having sex, um, you know, the, I think the first couple of times were super awkward and they weren't like relationships. But then I got into a relationship oh. and and like that was, you know, he was very giving and I trusted him a lot. So I would always come like super easy. Right. Like it was just great. But um, he didn't come all the time. And that really um, that really gave me anxiety mm. because I was just like, I'm not fulfilling my part of the bargain. And I've let down some some somewhere subconsciously. It's like I failed. Right. I know what you, you know? mean. Yeah. It, it's like hard to enjoy it if if you're not giving the same amount or more pleasure to the other to your partner. Exactly. Yeah. And and then you start having all these toxic thoughts that are implemented by society where right. you're just like, am I not attractive enough? Am I not sexy enough? Am I not desirable enough? Is that why he can't keep it hard? But then right. it took time and, and different partners for me to realize that like, you know, men have a lot of anxiety, you yeah. know, having to keep it up all the time too. And True. that, that it, it needs to be like sort of like a cohesive mutual dialogue, you know, sort of situation where you understand what turns the other person on yeah if they're stressed out about it you know like it's it's a more complex like than just amalgamation porn. of different elements you know it's like and then if you're not making your partner happy and you're not feeling sexy that that's going to lower the chances of you orgasming because you're just not feeling you know 100 percent there or 100 percent present or not feeling great about yourself so all of these can kind of cut cut that orgasm off at the knees you know what turns you on priscilla and mm. like how do you come um i think yeah digital oral that's all great i i think what turns me on um is just like that playful aspect of like i like kind of like when you know you and your partner are kind of hitting on each other all day long like kind of oh, just yeah, the foreplay <laughs> just the, yeah the, the the verbal foreplay is so much fun um and just like you know even if nothing actually happens you're kind of like kind of semi turned on the entire day and like excited for like what could happen later and then i love like you know i love like joking around or not even really joking around because i'm 100 percent serious but like flirtatiously telling them all the like depraved things you want to do to them later that's like touching them right oh yeah oh yeah oh amazing sending a text message um you know just whispering something on the phone like you know shit like that um how about you what what turns you on what gets you on um it, it's so it's so interesting because i feel like i continue to learn about sex like yeah. even though i've been having sex for a very long time but like, <laughs> you know it's like uh and and like every significant partner has taught me a lot of new ways to grow in it and um something that i really like uh recently or at least this year is like having sex and not finishing Ooh. and then just being like let's go shopping or like let's go do something else for a little bit and you just stop it but then yeah. but then like on the back burner they're just like we gotta finish <laughs> we gotta finish it and you know just you're just so horny and yeah. you're just like fuck i'm like i'm like really hot right now you know like so then a few hours later when you resume it's like yeah, extra it's, it's hot like a second course yeah it's just like you I you have you. been salivating for it you're like hungry for it and then i you know just try some of these tips and tricks because yeah. i know that like for for a lot of women um 
you know, I, me and Priscilla, we're fucking like down ass raunchy ass, yeah. you know, like especially behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're lusty yeah. Capricorns. Um, so, you know, for those who don't really seek out sort of like, you know, I guess sexual knowledge or experiment, like try some of these, you know, just with play. your partner. It, it just makes it, um, I think interesting. And you always want to try a refreshing take on something. So I a hundred percent I'm with you and I, I agree. And I do want to talk about the orgasm gap. Give me more info. Okay. Let me tell you, um, a statistic I read this week that shocked the fuck out of me. Um, but I guess these like, um, I listened to science versus and they did a great episode on the female orgasm. So please go take Mm -hmm. a listen to that now. Um, I mean, after you finish our episode, (laughs) um, but they pulled like about 10,000 people and of the straight women that they polled, like women in straight, like heterosexual relationships, um, said that typically they orgasmed 65% of the time during sexual intercourse. And I would have to say, I think that number is greatly inflated. I think that's greatly, that's not true. That can't be true. Like that can't be true. Like half those girls are lying, you know? Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, they're saying for the sake of male pleasure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Irony upon irony, but straight men polled, um, said they came 95% of the time rocks. 95% of the time. So what is going on there? That is a 30% differential. And then when they dig into it and and looked into like lesbian relationships or or when women masturbate, that number went up to 85%. Wow. I wonder why that is. Yeah. So curious. Just having another female or having you like handle your own business ups it by 20%. So what's going on? What are your thoughts? Just hearing that. What are you, what are you feeling right now? Honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is comfort okay. and safety. Okay. Explain that to me. Like I said, I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I need to do more research. I mean, this is just my opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know what we were talking about, like our history and DNA and like what women have put up with, yeah. you know, in many generations before it's like, sometimes they're in arranged marriages where they have no choice. Mm-hmm. They are forced to have sex when they have no choice. And it's like innately ingrained in us. There is a lack of trust and safety sometimes with a male counterpart. And I think that like when you trust somebody, you know, you are able to orgasm a lot more Mm -hmm. or if you're just very comfortable and sexually active and you know adult performers they really do train themselves to like have you know work with their vibrators make sure they orgasm like six times a day to you know you know really be able to work that muscle and like subconsciously allow yourself to enjoy that as much as you can and fight against that conditioning so you think it's more of a trust issue i think it's a trust and i also think it's a it's a subconscious thing. Mm. I, I don't know. This is just like my opinion, but, um, you know, go let me know what you think, because when I masturbate, mm-hmm. I could come up to three times in like half an hour. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, um, I very much enjoy it. I really much enjoy, you know, having a sexual, healthy sexual relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And also there is a safety with having sex with women. It, it's super strange. Yeah. But then for me, even with a woman, like, I still have trust. Like it still comes right. down to trust. Like, like for me, I think it's all around. It's not just, it's not gender specific, Got it. but um, what do you think? I'm no, that's very interesting. Yeah. Cause I did yeah. want to talk to you about like, you know, what it's, what, what the difference is for you when you're hooking up with a guy versus hooking up with a girl, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes for me, it's like, I can see like, I think generally this is a, again, a, a, a super generalization. I think women, we are people pleasers. And I think when it, 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 when it seems like, 
the other party um, is either losing a little bit of interest or getting a little bored or getting a little too sweaty or getting a little too tired. I think we're the first to be okay with making concessions um, with our pleasure because like it's balancing their comfort and their pleasure as well. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I think yeah, we're kind yeah, of yeah. not that guys don't worry about that. Not that, you know, and this again is a super generalization, but just like in the conversations that I've had and the experiences that I've personally had, um, if there's any bit of lack of focus and that's nobody's fault because sex is kind of repetitive a lot of the times, it's literally just, you know, boom, 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 you know, <laughs> but like, I, I think if there's any distraction, any boredom, any exhaustion, I think women will be quicker to take that pretty seriously and that will lower my ability to enjoy myself because I want you to be happy too, you know? You, you know, like, I think it's like sex is a performance. If you it is, boil isn't it? it down, if you were completely honest with yourself totally. about what sex is, it is a performance. Yeah. So it's like, can you perform? That That's where that term boils down to. It's true. And it's like, I don't think I can perform tonight. I don't think I can. You know what yeah. I mean? By X amount of variables or X amount of factors. And so there's a lot of strain. There's a lot of pressure. It's true. You know? and, and so, like, I remember like because I'm very lusty and I'm very passionate mm -hmm. it's like um you know I'm very picky about my partners yeah. but it's like if I'm all into it I'm just like I know things could and if we're matching energy it could get pretty intense pretty quickly but nowadays I just want to be like slow down mm -hmm. let's just slow down take a slow enjoy ourselves you know like I think one of my partners has, has really taught me to just like enjoy and I've never had sex for like four to six hours before. Wow. Like, okay. Sting my bad. But like he, he taught me to like really just like, you know, take, take it slow. Just and I was like, Whoa, this is really enjoyable. And like, all it is is sometimes just touching, just like stroking the body or like anything like that instead of, and you know what it is? We need to talk about pornography. Okay. Let's talk about porn. Let's do that. Because, because all of this sort of goes back to how porn has been the one to educate our generation. Mm, yep. Yep. Rather than experiences with actual people. Interesting. Yeah. What would have happened if I had an intimate experience with someone before I started exposing myself to an excessive amount of porn? Right. So what's what's wrong with porn? Like what 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 did they get wrong? Okay, so porn. <laughs> so, okay, so just a couple things, just a, a couple, and then we could go off of this. All right, so the, the dick is always like super huge yeah. in porn. Like they don't, ha they don't show, they don't, there's not enough representation of a variety of dicks sizes. Like they, it's always super long, super girthy. Yeah. And I'm like, there are more types of dicks in that right yeah. and then also the body is like everyone's super fit the females are super hot you know yeah. and like and also it, so it doesn't normalize how normal people can be sexual and enjoy themselves and what our bodies look like what our bodies yeah. look like thirdly aside, sorry i have so much to say about porn because <laughs> i researched this so much and i've been thinking about this so much but it's like you know the labeling of porn which makes it very toxic towards like how um how the world sees us too, because it affects us like calling Asians orientals mm. or like, or like, you know, people in the middle of transitioning females or like, you know, just like, it's very unhealthy and, or, you know, older women milfs. Like, like they're titled the way your brain kind of goes into reptilian mode and thinks when you're horny. You know what I mean? Yes. That's how they're titled. 
Exactly. It's disgusting. Anyways. And then the third thing is we need to talk about the routine. Okay. So when you watch porn and then, you know, there's differences, obviously we could talk about Japanese porn mm-hmm. and like how, and well, I'll some freaky stuff, that. huh? Well, yeah, I don't really stuff, know too much like, about Japanese porn, but I have heard the moans, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll go into that. But then in terms of like, I think Westernized pornography, uh, you know, the woman is always, you know, first it's like pleasure the woman, yeah. give her oral sex. Sure. Right. And then she orgasms whether or not it's it real. It never right? looks it, like it's really happening. It's, like I'm looking at her and she's screaming, but I'm like, but you're not convulsing. Like you're not tightening your abs. You're not I like. And also it's like, right. It, it always feels like right as she's maybe going to climax, he stops and then sticks it in. And I'm like, finish the job. <laughs> finish the job. Like not always, but in a lot of them, it's like the the like the posturing of oral just to be like yep we did that but you know you got to finish the job and unless it's genre specific like femdom or like you know where women are more um aggressive usually it's the man deciding the changing of positioning ah interesting yep so then they're always the one like tossing the girl around i'm done with missionary let me do doggy you know what i mean and then also we need to talk about how they finish Mm -hmm. always on (laughs) the face always on the face always (laughs) All over a woman's beautiful face. And then it's over. And like sex is over. It's like it, it, like sometimes they'll have a cuddling thing. But once they come on the face, it's like, OK, and sex is done. Like we're done, done here. Yeah. We've completed yeah. the session. And you see the woman just like reacting with pleasure, quote unquote, yeah. until he's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. Then he pulls out yeah. and like comes on her tits, yeah. comes on her ass, comes on her face. And I'm just like, so women are expected to emote pleasure. Yeah all the way until that happens. And I realized I was doing that, mm. you know, like in sex and stuff. I'm just like waiting. I'm just like, when is this person going to be finished? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you've got, you've been through that. I mean, right? you can't finish until they're finished, you know, it's, it's kind of like, th- that's how we've been conditioned to think, even though I don't think it's right. You know? So you taking a second to be like, actually, we're going to pause in the middle. We're going to do some other things and then resume. I, I guess it's still, you know, waiting for somebody to come, I guess. But like, that's such a revolutionary thought rocks. <laughs> like it is, it yeah. is crazy. But then I wouldn't have come to that if it wasn't for my partner, because it's like, you know, I would have just kept doing it. But he was just like, no, it's fine. Like, let's just take a break. You know, like, I don't need to come right now. I was like, really? You don't? Man. You know, like, it's shocking. Is is that okay? Like, I have to be like, is that okay? For as progressive, liberal and radical as I am. I was in shock. (laughs) So outside of porn, like just watching American movies and TV, like, how did how were the mechanics of sex? Like, how did you come to understand sex in that context? I just kept thinking about that scene from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Do you remember? <laughs> oh, like- yeah. When they're like in the Ikea <laughs> and they're just like or or in the kitchen and they're just they're getting the kitchen. Sl- oh. yeah, the kitchen's oh it's my so God. hot. Yes. Um, um, I don't know if I, I, I've been watching, um, Nora from Queens, which is like Aquafina's mm-hmm. like, you know, show, but she has this like, wait, she has a sex scene. Well, not exactly, but she's a masturbation scene, which, you okay. know, good for you, Aquafina. I was like, fuck yeah. Female, pl- like pleasure first and foremost. But the movie she was like masturbating to, it wasn't <laughs> porn. It was dirty dancing Havana nights. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> she fucking gets it. I was like, that's exactly it. Like, like that was the, like the things that turned me on because I didn't really watch porn because I didn't have access. And I was honestly like too pure and scared. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, okay with exploring my sexuality, but I was like scared to see a penis. Um, I, you know, I was all, all sorts of like, you know, prude. Um, I guess, well, I don't know. That's like a <laughs> negative term, but I was just scared. I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. But watching these kind of semi chaste 
sex scenes like in rom-coms was like enough to get me going you know what wow. i mean so Ooh. that's all i needed like give me some the notebook where he's just like taking off her tights and then they don't really show anything else but oh my god this is like reading a romance it's novel, like reading a romance novel. yeah and then your brain fills in the blanks and then you know i kind of miss how easy it used to be to kind of you know visualize and and use those romantic scenes and just get all the way there Oh, the less is more thing. Yeah, less is more. Wow. I should probably rewatch The Notebook, but my heart is dead and I don't believe in romance I anymore. Mean, and yeah. this year is really <laughs> terrible. So I will continue to rub myself out to really intensely violent sex scenes. I mean, like I love that. I love Mr. that too. <laughs> or, yeah, or just Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah, throw uh, a Cal Drogo, please. Yes. Anything you want. But I, when I first started watching porn, I was shocked at like how much of it was just penis, vagina, penis, vagina, penis, vagina, penis vagina this way penis vagina and i was like that doesn't get me going at all and what i will say about these like rom- like and i know there's more kind of like um femme porn and there's you know porn for women or like if you're on reddit there's like chicks flick chick flicks and um mm-hmm. erica lust which i know has i i like some of her stuff but i know uh, there's some ethical issues with how she casts her porn um mm-hmm. but I do love like in a in a good rom-com just like basically just focusing like on the female orgasm face because that's hotter to me like a like a more and actresses are so much better than porn actresses at, at oh my god you know pretending I they're orgasming no, if I could I'm gonna, I mean this is on the record now which is probably gonna get me blacklisted <laughs> but I would love to direct porn one day and yeah. and I would say like adult film for like a female audience yes. you know what i mean where it alludes to that pleasure that you're talking about totally. like um you know it's like just the making out or just the man kissing their neck yes. and then they having that O face like that is so it's so erotic. hot it's so hot and it's missing from way too much porn yes yeah. it's the journey for the woman yeah. it's like if you were to to show sex from our perspective slow it down yeah. you know like keep it sensual like try things you know like play with us yeah. like it's not like zero to 60 please yeah and actually Actually, weirdly, one of the hotter like pieces of tape I've seen was um, I took like a social 69 class in uh, in mm-hmm. college um, and it was really interesting. And we watched basically like a two hour clip of various people masturbating like in like some sort of not quite an MRI, but some sort of like machine. And they're staring mm-hmm. straight at camera and they're masturbating. Um, and like unlike the girls who masturbate in porn and they're like just like. I don't know, like moving around and like grinding up on the window and like, I don't know, just like moaning like crazy. Like an actual orgasm is not necessarily that sexy, but I think the authenticity of it and like the lack of it's it's less homogenous, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Than I think is depicted in porn. Strangely, that was like the hottest thing to me, wow. even though it was so clinical. But I was like, oh, but this is like real. Oh, and I, I guess I was picturing like the other scientists in the other room who had to like listen in. So maybe I have a voyeur thing that I should explore more. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is all very interesting. Really and I good. love like yeah. how we are just so open in talking about this right now, because I sort of I wonder, like in terms of Asian culture and sex, yeah. it's like, where did that even transpire? And like, did you and your friends ever talk about this? Okay, I'll say this. When my friends are single and dating and fucking around, they are way more open about sex, which is understandable because it's kind of more anonymous. So I hear more about that than I do when my friends are booed up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, interesting. 
Interesting. That is very true. People talk about sex more often with people they're not committed. Exactly. Because like once they're booed up, then we like me and their partner have a different um, social connection because we're going to maybe go on double dates and we're going to you know what? I'm going to see them at weddings and stuff. So it's like a boundary. It is kind of a boundary. And I noticed that um, especially once people are married or like, you know, long term boot up, um, we kind of there's this kind of like window that gets blotted out. You know, have you noticed the same thing? Yes, actually. And it's also like a protective layer, too, because that's sex is something that you keep purely between you and your partner. Yeah, I mean, it is it is very sacred. Like, you know, like my husband and I, like our sex life is very sacred. And I I guess like, you know, I fall into that category, too. I, I'm not going to betray the trust that we have by for sure. oversharing that, you know, and that is something that is it, it is just for us. Um, mm. And but I think sometimes that can be problematic because we're not we're not making each other feel seen and each other feel heard quite enough. You know what I mean? It's just a different way of, of emotionally communicating yeah. too. I mean, like I feel like sex language and your sexual sphere with like a, a certain partner yeah. in yours, like that's something that you grow together and also is another way of developing your bond. It's true. And it's something that you continually work on, which is something that our, our parents' generation and generations before that that was never a part of that conversation. It's true. And sometimes I think what's a bummer, and I don't know if there's like a solution for this per se, but I think I probably learn about the sex lives of like intimately of people on Reddit more so than I do any of my friends, you know? And it's not that I need to know like their intimate sexual details, but it's like when we have secrets, it's easier to share it in an anonymous setting. For sure. But sometimes that information could be helpful to share with one another in certain contexts with boundaries, of course, um, because it can make us feel less alone. Yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. Especially like my friends who got married really early on oh, and never explored with other people, you know, and feeling like they desire more out of sex, but don't know how to communicate their partners about it because mm-hmm. they've been together for so long. It's sort of a routine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to change when you've been with someone that long. It's true. You know what I mean? And uh, everybody just needs to, you know, listen to more Esther Perel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like how to grow your relationship and how to grow your sex life and right. like uh, and continue to journey together. You know, I think what was beautiful is one of my closest friends. Um, she used to kind of, you know, date around a lot and um, is probably but was very, very good at in bed and um, knew how to do all the things and used to tell me all about it. But when she got into a more serious relationship, She was so shocked. She was like, I didn't know that sex could have this huge emotional component. You know what I mean? Because it's not just the mechanics. It's not just like the bing, bang, boom. You know what I mean? It's it. She's like, I didn't know sex could get so much better. You know, I thought I knew everything there was to know about sex because I've done it in every position and every place and whatever, you know. But like, um, you know, being in a long term relationship now for two or three years, like she's seen the transformation of that. And I think for someone like me, I've only had like very few partners. um, But I was like, oh, okay, that's good to know that I'm not really I'm not really missing out on anything. Like, I'm sure I could have had more fun in my 20s. I'm sure I could have. But I'm okay with it because I also am currently benefiting from the the other type of sex, which is like more emotionally fulfilling, you know? 
I think that like, yeah, like uh, sex could either just be surface level 2D, like physical satisfaction. And then um, but what I always realize is that sex always gets better with time with somebody like it always gets better. Like you work on it and then you understand each other's bodies. You learn about each other's bodies, the way they move, you know, what turns them on. Like it's another journey of its own, you know, so it's like sex is always awkward with the first, you know, the first time with someone new, but like, um, it's just getting to know each other. So I think, I think like, you know, when people are like, oh yeah, like there's no chemistry right away. I mean, there's a whole bunch of fucking factors. Yeah. yeah. You know? It like, could take time. If you have great chemistry, like rapport, like yeah. they make you laugh. You enjoy being with each other. They're nervous the first time, like give it time, give it time, you know? Yeah. Give it time. And also don't put too much pressure on it because it can get better, you know? Um, okay. So rocks, what was, what was the first time you looked at your vagina in a mirror? <laughs> Cause I think I saw that like in a clip in sex in the city. And I was like, Oh, I need to be alone right now. And like ran into my room and like locked myself in there. And like, how long, how long have you lived your life? Not knowing what your vagina looked like. Cause guys always knew what their dicks looked like, you know? And it's true. like, you know, like when you were a little girl, like you would pee and you would wipe, but you're just like, oh, there's a little pee hole, but you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess for guys, it's like, that. do you know what like your perineum looks like? Like the, the space between your balls and your asshole? Like, <laughs> I know. Oh, I know what that looks like. <laughs> I mean, you do now. Guy does not know. Yeah. I always found it fascinating. What did you think when you first looked at her? Oh, my, 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 my vag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i did this i was like reading this little sex ed book for like you know preteens Ooh. that my mom bought me because she didn't want to talk about it so she threw like this little like picture book at me yeah. and then she was like and you're a good the- student so i know you read it cover to cover i did <laughs> I, I was an excellent capricorn student and then they were just like try holding one of those like makeup mirrors yeah between your legs and bend over oh yeah and breathe. And then, <laughs> I remembered. I was like 13. Yeah. I like I had an orgasm before I did this. Oh, like, interesting. I, I record scratch and, and felt my orgasm before I even knew my yeah. vagina. Like, and then I remembered I bent. I did that. I bent over. I looked at it and I freaked myself. <laughs> I was like, that is one ugly ass thing. Um, I was I was like, it looks like an alien. <laughs> it's not the cute. Like, so full disclosure, like, you know, I, I have two sisters, so we would take baths together as kids, you know. So I think the first vaginas I ever looked at or saw were my sisters and mm-hmm. they saw mine. You know what I mean? And it mm-hmm. wasn't anything, you know. It, it wasn't anything perverted it was just like we were we were showering it's and bathing innocent. together yeah. yeah it was totally innocent but that was like the, so when i saw mine i think i was maybe a little less surprised because um i i had already kind of seen it you know on my sisters mm-hmm. um or if they had like you know if they they got hurt or something you know you, you would kind of take a look closer and like but it wasn't a big deal um so um i think when i saw mine i was like less surprised but it it, it, it definitely <laughs> wasn't cute you know what i mean like i mean it's it's a cute little vagina but it wasn't like the cutest it wasn't like a puppy no, was it the cute no it's not, it's not a like puppy. a puppy i wanted it to be a puppy yeah. i was like you know i was like oh this is this is what it looked like it was it was just wild to me yeah. like what it looked like um and did you have a hard time like uh finding where your clitoris was you know yeah i didn't i I didn't, I didn't know I didn't about know. it for the longest time. I didn't know there was a hood. I didn't know that it, so like, you know, for those of you who still don't know where the clit is, and if you are a male listener or someone who's interested <laughs> in females um, or people that identify as female, the clitoris is a really magical 
organ. Um, and it actually, it isn't just the little flick the bean on top of your, your you know, your, your pee hole, your urethra, um, not your urethra, but like your pee hole. Um, it, it's like the little thing on top of it, but it also extends all the way around and above uh, the vagina. And kind of like, that's why when, you know, women um, do orgasm, that the entire like pelvic floor kind of contracts. Ooh, it's hot. Um, but yeah, and so you're not just flicking the bean, you're kind of like stimulating the entire organ, right? Um, and so yeah, no, it took a long I mean, I think I got there just by, you know, record scratching around, just kind of like um, you know, those people that are looking for like the people with the metal detectors on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're just like, and you know what I mean? That's closer, closer, warmer, warmer, warmer. Oh, not there, not there. That's how it was like for me. But what about you? Like, when did you discover, like, when did you actually discover the clitoris, maybe in reading about it? And then how did you put that to use? Well, the thing is, like, I freaked myself out seeing my vagina for the first time. I'm like, I'm never looking at that again. And then, so, so, so actually, my my sex journey. I think, like, because we all know how I had my first orgasm. Basically, yeah. all the listeners on this, like, basically, you guys know, know us better than our physicians, than you, our therapists. Yeah, you, you know me better than anybody. Yep. Uh, but like, uh, there was that that weird, that strange time. I think in high school where like um, we had those AOL anonymous chat rooms Ooh. and like chat roulette Ooh. and like you know you get to talk to like different people on the internet without knowing who they are oh. and like I sort of fell into that because like I was so curious about you know um because I I really wasn't popular at school and I and I and people were having boyfriends and I was really curious and then so I would cyber do you know what cybering is um tell me like your I feel like everyone kind of has a version of cybering but what was it like for you like were you masturbating whilst um chatting no okay I was just nervous the whole time because I was just like I don't know what I'm doing I don't know what sex is but this sounds fun and they seem like they're into me so like cybering is just you know online messaging sex so I guess it's just sexting now you know like if we were to put it in like Gen Z terms or like you know just this digital age but um and I also have full around in phone sex with oh. a bunch of strangers back when I was in high school Whoa. as well and um these are all super I'm sorry mom if you're listening <laughs> to this holy shit um but but like it was it was all this very extended like years of foreplay oh, wow. Priscilla of like not knowing what it is but with all these different people without ever touching me but just using language wow you know so were you like, turned on or were you more interested in like the performance side of it like you wanted to be someone hot for them or were they hot to you yeah I think I was trying to figure out what skills I had Mm. to turn on somebody and and you know I think words are huge for me I love dirty talk I love I I find it's very strange if there's no verbal communication during sex like um it's it's yeah. And so, so I think that was a big root in it because I felt like language and, you know, us reading erotica is like yeah. a big thing for you and me. So it's like, we are very mentally stimulated sure. people. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what was it? If you don't mind me asking, um, of course. I'm still going to ask it because this is our podcast, babe. But w- <laughs> when you, after you lost your virginity, were you surprised at what sex was actually like? Yes, I thought it would have been better, yeah. but that was also. <laughs> yup, yup. 
Because everything before you have sex, all the advertising, all the movies, it's a be all, <laughs> end all, all encompassing. You'll never understand until you do it situation. Uh, yeah. And it's really never what you expect it to be, I think. Although I will say that now, um, I've learned a lot and I really enjoy myself in sex, no matter who it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's like, I feel comfortable in my body, which is the most important thing. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, and I feel bad for partners that feel like extreme anxiety and wanting to get me off when they barely know yeah. me. And I'm like, it takes time. Yeah. I'm like all of it just takes time with me. Like I, I communicate with them. Please don't feel pressured i'm like please feel pleasure yeah, right yeah. don't feel pressure but feel pleasure mm. because i want you to know that i'm also receiving pleasure so it's like having to deconstruct this like give and take give and take equal you know right. like it is equal yeah. but it but it's not always about this fucking orgasm no. that everyone's marketing towards you know the sure it's great but it's not everything yeah sometimes 100 you know 100 yeah okay so what about you though because you're married and and i know that you haven't had as many partners no well uh, yeah i have not (laughs) but tell me like i want to know more about you and like how you've come to grow within that yeah i think um i think one of the things like i think uh, like once i'm behind closed doors i'm very you know lusty like you say i'm 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 pretty open i've made out with you before i know what you're like (laughs) i didn't didn't want to bring it up but yeah i mean um, it's happened y'all if y'all of you are curious it's happened it's happened it happens we live together it was fun um Mm -hmm. i think you were the you're not the first girl i kissed but you're the first girl i made out with i think yes um and i I won't you know out anybody else but (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i think that i can be pretty fun in those situations i'm pretty open i like to have a good time but i do know about myself that um i think certain parts of my like pleasure centers either are kind of like fried out or never got to develop because of like my upbringing um Mm -hmm. it was like i think if you're like hyper controlled and and you're like your upbringing is all about self-control and like the more more self-control you have and the more you can deprive yourself of stuff and still be good like the better that's kind of how i grew up um mm-hmm. so for example like my mom used to give my sisters and i um a piece of beef jerky on a on a car ride and so you know we all it, it kind of showcased our personalities um but it was kind of like a test of like you're not getting any more this is all you're getting on this hour long car ride so like be responsible with it so my sister Rose would just immediately eat hers and then ask for more, you know, um, that that was my sister. But for me, I would every five minutes take a tiny little nibble, mm. like a tiny little nibble. And then my youngest sister, Vicky, like didn't eat hers and then Rose would end up eating hers. So that's what it's like to have three sisters, you know. But um, I would take I was so disciplined. I would take like the tiniest little nibble and then I would chew on that for about five minutes and then swallow it and then take a little nibble again. Um, But it wasn't until probably my mid 20s or even maybe after I was like I met my husband, he would just like eat an entire chip and I couldn't understand it. Like, you know, I, I don't know how to maybe I'm not explaining myself well I didn't know you just like to ration yourself I felt like I always had to withhold a certain amount of pleasure in anything that I did Mm, you couldn't binge I couldn't binge and then now I'm starting to appreciate um when to ration and when to take the entire bite of something you know Mm -hmm. um and if that's Mm. not a good 
a metaphor for my sex life, then you haven't seen my sex life because it's a great metaphor for my sex life. <laughs> but there are certain like sensual pleasures that I um, am relearning how to enjoy and like allow into my life. You know what I mean? Because I, I mm. have a harder time with it. Um, and then along those lines and I, you know, I, Hopefully one day we get my husband on the podcast and we can grill him. Mm -hmm. um, but he mm -hmm. is also a pastor's kid, like I've talked about, and he's been so shamed and repressed. So when it comes to sex, it's it, it's very, very difficult for him to feel open, you know, and, and very difficult for him to feel free. So luckily, like we, we have, a, you know, we do great, um, but it, it's sometimes I wonder like because both of us have different issues when it comes to sex um mm -hmm. i wonder how much of it is cultural he's korean i'm taiwanese how much is generational he's pretty much gen x and i'm a millennial <laughs> right in the middle of the millennial years hey what's up rocks um and, and how much of it is religious so i feel like all of those things kind of come together oh, and then on top of it we're you know, influenced by the way American Western media has portrayed sex. Uh, so all of these yeah. things taken together, I think we do have a lot of hangups, um, some different, some similar um, that we're tr still trying to like figure out even after we got married to still feel like sex wasn't something that was like somehow deviant, oh, you know, because mm -hmm. it doesn't just go away overnight. And it's something that we struggled with throughout, like, you know, when we were dating. And then even after we got married, I think I was like, yeah, it should be totally fine. But um, there were still things we ran into. And um, it's like psychological, which then has like physiological repercussions, you know. So I don't know if anyone else has dealt with this, but if you have, please email us um, a voice note because we we want to hear your experiences because like sex is something that can be such a great part of our life, but it can also be something that causes a lot of shame, a lot of fear and a lot of doubt. And so if, if you want to stay anonymous, that's totally fine. You know, we'll keep you anonymous, but send us a little voice note or an email or a comment um, and tell us like how you've dealt with sex uh, in, in your life and what female pleasure uh, looks like for you or, or, or people that identify as female um, or, you know, if you're a trans male and you know, you know a lot about this. Um, so please write into we us. We want to hear all of it. We want to hear about your different experiences and perspectives. Yeah. So thank you guys. We're going to take a little break. And after that, we'll come back with topic two, reclaiming sexual ownership. Hi, Go Tease. The highlight of our week is hanging out with all of you. If you guys like hanging out with us, why not suggest two horny goats to a friend? Whether it's your coworker, long-term BFF, or your quarantine buddy, drop them a link. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right. Wow. What a break. Ooh, Ooh, I think I got a tan. Did you get a tan? I got a tan. Oh, my God. I, I rubbed one out. In the, in Ooh, the lucky. Damn it. All I did was get a yeah, tan. I'm trying to be record time here. I rubbed in sunblock, but clearly not enough. And you rubbed one out. Damn, girl, you're quick. Well, welcome back, OTs. We're going to get into topic number two, which is reclaiming sexual ownership. Um, as you know, Roxy and I are both Asian American women, and it, we'd be remiss if we didn't just kind of broach the topic of orientalized mm -hmm. hypersexualized history of asian american portrayal i have a question for you yes if you didn't know me mm -hmm. if you just erased every existence of roxy okay so like eternal history. sunshine of the spotless mind got <laughs> exactly. it Boop. and i am, have just met you like today right now yeah. and you don't have any context beyond what you see in front of you mm -hmm. would you say that would you would you think that I'm very sexually active? Would you think that I'm kinky? Like, would you think that I'm conservative? Like, what would be your impression and I would judgment? Definitely 
I would definitely read Kink. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I would definitely read Open, mm-hmm. and um, I think like Down. I would, I would, I would read like You Were Down. How about me? And and be honest. I think it's it's interesting because like I know how passionate you are, and mm-hmm. if I didn't know that you're a singer, if I've never seen you perform, yeah. I've never seen you that connected to that emotional side of you. I would just be like, huh? Yes. She was probably vanilla, but very enthusiastic. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'll take it. And and it's crazy because like so many people that I've met that I just meet, you know, sometimes I'll do a throwaway line. They'll be like, oh my God, you're like kinky, huh? Like it's so strange. And for a lot of you, I just want everybody to know that like I take bouts of celibacy so like the longest one was, I think, between the end of 2016 through the half of 2018. I was celibate Holy for two shit. and a half years. I do remember this. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like I didn't have any sex. And but still people still sense a lot of sexual energy from me. Right. Like, yeah. You know, they think that I'm wild and I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been physically intimate with anybody for a long time. And still I'm very choosy about my partners. I don't just like sleep around. Yeah. You know, be very selective about who you let into your inner gates. Yeah. Right. So I think that is just that whole thing of. Yes. And I have huge tits for those of you who have never met me in real life. Like. <laughs> I have gargantuous breasts, like, like abnormally, like it's, it's, it's easy for people to sexualize me. Like, yeah. I mean, your breasts are stunning. I mean, they're <laughs> like, you know, like the clouds in the movie Hercules. Like, yeah, they're my favorite. Every time I see them, I'm just like, there they are. And they're yeah, glorious, but, 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 you but can't they're help. not your identity. No. no. And, 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 and that's what people see. You know, yeah. they, they see if you're outgoing, you know, if you're extroverted, if right. you have huge tits, like, like people are taking all of this, like mental calculations, deductions on like your physical appearance and like your energy and like deducing it to like, this person must be like this. She's hypersexual for her age. Interesting. Cause I de- developed my breasts way before. I think I was like. 11 or 12 I never had an A or B cup I just went straight to C overnight I don't know how the fuck it happened I've always had bigger breasts than everybody else when I was developing and that put me you know I was ogled by older white men when I was 13 I was hit on I was touched inappropriately you know and like as an Asian woman if you're in a predominantly white suburban or like you know area it's like we are exoticized we are fetishized we are hypersexualized like mm-hmm. we are all of these things so what do you do like do you feel the need to personally offset that do you play into it like how do you respond to that when people are over sexualizing you why do you think that i work so hard to be in a position of power interesting cuz you felt for a very long time that you were kind of underneath someone's power. If I, if I did not have power, I feel like that objectification would continue to exist mm. and, and the assault would continue to exist. Got it. So it's like, it was very different when I was working retail, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Cause it made me pray to like whoever wanted to say whatever they wanted to me, whatever yeah. numbers were given to me, whatever inappropriate looks or yeah. comments were said to me. And, um, I think after that, I was just very determined to like never flirt, never mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, I don't really flirt, you know, I, it's not, doesn't come naturally to me and because it's, it's such a protective, you know, I just didn't want to be sexualized. Yeah. I want to be seen from my brain, you know, yeah. like how, 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 like, uh, like all, all my other traits I want to be seen for instead of like my body. Yeah. But um, I can see how your friendliness and your openness, I've seen how 
it's backfired because people think you're flirting with them, even though you're like really, really I'm just not. being nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you? Like, what are some of your experiences um, as an Asian woman? So opposite from you, I think that one, I was a very late bloomer and mm-hmm. I, I give um, like a prepubescent vibes. You know, I, I have a pretty boyish body, you know, and I, I, I didn't really grow breasts ever <laughs> i mean they're there but they're nothing to write home about you know i'll um, cut off half of mine and you can have it but then you'll <laughs> fall over <laughs> um and i think that i the older i get the more i recognize how fortunate i was not to be seen in that way by men too young especially before i was ready because i i know that a lot of my female friends did not have the same experience you know and i mm-hmm. think even though it made me feel ugly and honestly made me feel undesirable. Um, I realize and recognize now that that was better for me um, than being kind of thrown into something I wasn't prepared for. Um, But yeah, I do want to talk about like, like, have you felt exoticized just because of being Asian? Oh yeah. Yellow fever. Yeah. What is it? What is that like? And how does it differentiate from when people are just exoticizing you in in general? (laughs) Heavy breathing. (laughs) I just remember there was this guy I dated two years ago and I didn't know this when I was dating him. And he said to me that, and, I, and then I suddenly realized that all his past girlfriends or conquests have all been Asian. Mm. And um, I was like, why is that buddy? Yeah. Right. And yeah. he's like, I like the aesthetic and <gasps> I wanted to fucking kill him. What are you, an iPhone? <laughs> <laughs> that is so disgusting to me and i was like i can't do this anymore how did how did it make you feel like like talk me through all the things you were feeling because i can i can see i can feel some anger i can feel some sadness it's like it's like he went into a chinese restaurant i was like well this year i'm feeling kung pao chicken and next year i'm feeling tofu eggplant oh my gosh and this was someone you were seeing yeah i was seeing him and 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 i didn't realize i always felt like there was something shady but then um i thought you know it's like i I do feel like there are some you know people who are like not asian who really embrace the culture respect it and like you know they don't um appropriate it but there's a fetishism aspect where it's just like oh i love how an asian woman feels i Mm. love how submissive they are i love how whatever the fuck or how they age gracefully how they look so young and i'm like this is so you're not even looking at the person anymore or really valuing the essence of that human being you're just like looking at the packaging and determining you know you're selling a human for parts basically it's terrible And, and and it still exists you know we all know about this like this sort of meat market um sexual meat market in southeast asia for like you know westerners and it's still um, happening mail order brides are still happening yeah yeah um so it does it does make me sick to my stomach yeah and i have to say that yeah all i remember being at a masseuse once and um he was like kind of making jokes about being me like me being asian but like he was like oh but like that's a good thing right like it's always kind of like caveated that way like they can kind of fuck with you but then they're Mm -hmm. like oh but i think it's hot or i think it's pretty and then he was just like going very into detail about him um having sex with an asian woman for the first time and her vagina not being as tight as advertised (gasps) and i'm just laying there like naked on the like massage table and i'm just like 
I don't even know what to say. Like, am I supposed to apologize? Like, you know what I mean? Am I supposed to say, like, sorry, her pussy wasn't as tight as you wanted it to be? Uh, Or was I supposed to say, well, no secret here. My pussy's very tight. Like, what are you? How am I? How am I supposed to respond to that? You know, what would you have said to him now? I honestly, I probably just been like, dude, fuck you. That's not appropriate. I, I think I just would have said something as simple as that. Yeah. Like, try not. I, like I'm not going to make it feel worse. Very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, hey, I just don't feel like that's an, like an appropriate thing to talk about. But like the sad thing is me saying that, you know, would be great for me setting boundaries. But it's like he's gonna, still going to live his life thinking that, you know, and um, there's not a ton we can do about it. But, you know. Let's talk about Asian American um, depictions in Hollywood and let's talk about like the difference between Asian women and Asian men. And so uh, in general for you, like, you know, I know, you know, we were both film theory majors. So what how were Asian men um, depicted? Let's just talk about in Hollywood. Always as like the the nerd. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the nerd or the sidekick, but kind of dorky, yeah. never the sexy leading man. Um, Hello, John Cho. So fucking hot. Yeah, Am I, I right? Mean, you yes. know, Stephen Young. So hot. Am I right? Oh, like, my gosh. Give it. So get many it. sexy, sexy Asian men. So many, you know, yeah. that exist and are taking the leads right now you know, as they should be. But yeah. like for the longest time, it was never the leading story. And um, yeah. they were always some sort of side character. Sandra. Oh, you know, thought that she was reading for like a secretary or something on killing wow. eve wow. when she and you know they were asking her to read for the lead character and she's fucking hot as hell wow. you know yeah. a woman in her mid-40s would you think of that like yeah. and jodie comer this like young 25 year old like villainess like falling heavily for a mid-40s asian woman like big whoop you think yeah. that sorry i'm getting really angry so that's so surprising to fucking society that like yeah. these people can be considered sexy with that age range and that like yeah and and being asian you know like sure but okay i I guess i would like to know like what do you think it does to our asian american male identifying counterparts what does it do to them to see over a hundred years now of hollywood representations of asian males and of which those hundred years maybe the last 10 years has any positive representation of the asian american male what does that do to them what does that do to them so this is the power of media, right? This is yeah. the power of movies and this is the power of filmmaking is that it reflects like what the powerful people want us to see and believe yeah. during this time, okay. right? So it's like all these like, you know, white people, white male people of power, like defining these narratives and what is able to be seen in broadcast versus like what the actual truth is. Sure. So like we ingest this, like, and this goes with porn too. The, the, the white porn needs to be changed as well. It's like my dick is not big enough. Yeah. I'm not sexy enough. I don't have enough prowess. Yeah. Well, however the fuck you say that word right and then so you internalize it and it becomes mm. like a subconscious fact to you right, right? yeah like so many asian men on reddit yep. talk about how they can't score or get any matches yeah. on tinder or bumble or hinge or they're laughed off the platform sometimes yeah. Ugh, gosh and, it's so heartbreaking and it's crazy because i was talking to a friend of mine this weekend she was saying you know she's like i'm pretty forward if i like you i'm gonna tell you and she's like i've kind of made a conscious decision um that i want to date an asian person you know and um she's like the weird thing is the guys that she's talked to or has really liked um she has been really forthright about being like hey i i really like you and the more she tries to convince them that she likes them uh, often the more like opposition she'll be met with because they'll be like no like there's no way you do like stop lying to me and then they'll duck away and like cut off emotionally even quicker because like either one they don't believe they deserve 
that mm. kind of attention or two, they genuinely believe she's joking with them or lying to them. Do you think this is why so many like Asian American men sort of fall back to like the traditionalist mindset of like what their parents want? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, finding this nice girl yeah. who's also Asian and then just married and just settling down, just having a family. Don't be don't ask for anything more than that. Right. Because it's lower risk. Ultimately. Yeah, because it's like lower risk. And that's all you can really like. That's the best you can ask yeah. for. You know, it's so true. that's why there's not a lot of like risk taking because yeah. to take a risk is like like you're really throwing yourself to the sharks. True. And it was also um, a couple of years back, I traveled to Singapore to visit a friend of mine. Um, and she, you know, she, she introduced me to a lot of her friends and it was for the first time ever that I was meeting like our Asian counterparts. Like I'd met people in Taiwan, I'd met people in China, but I, I don't speak as fluently, you know? So going to Singapore, it was like meeting my Asian counterparts who spoke English. Um, and it was really interesting how, sexy a lot of them were not because they were actually hot or like not not because I was like physically attracted to them but there was something sexy about them not apologizing for simply existing not yeah. apologizing for taking up space um standing up a little bit straighter because there was there's no other race or people that could cut you down at any moment there was no messaging in the media that they weren't enough you know what I'm saying? And I know, I guess, you know, in Singapore, you're consuming a lot of Western culture, um, but it's not the same because like your person to person interactions don't dictate that, you know, you're not constantly being emasculated by the powers that be. And so I, I thought that was super interesting. And I, I look at my husband and we talk about it a lot. And even though I think he's he's really, really confident, like my husband's a really confident person. He knows who he is. He's done a lot of work on himself. Um, but the pain that this has caused him is irreparable. Like the pain of being constantly emasculated, the pain of being told that basically you're dickless. Basically you don't have manhood that you don't deserve. And, and, and you don't get to embody someone who's powerful and masculine. It just really sucks. Cause like you hear about, you know, when, when you talk about porn, because porn honestly is the driving educator for a lot of young men wanting to be more sexually active or wanting to have sex with women. And and if we're really looking at like where our society is going and especially how like they make fun of like, oh, the sizes of Asian dicks versus yeah. black dicks versus whatever the fuck, you know, it's mm -hmm. like really taking away the focus of like what makes us who we are and like yeah. connecting with people with your soul alignment and like finding healthy emotional relationships to yeah. add on to a sexual relationship. And it's it's just so toxic and it's making people more reclusive online dating is not helping yeah <laughs> driving online dating you know yeah. authentic relationships forward yeah so it's just a very interesting time we're living in you know because we want to live as ourselves and be honest as ourselves while trying to fight through the system or the structure that has conditioned the way the world has looked at us let's contrast that then with how asian american women are portrayed in media what was your first real like recollection of an Asian female in the media, in, in Western media. I think like for me, the only one that really comes to mind is like Lucy Liu. Oh yes. Lucy Liu. In like, she was probably the only one. And then there was Margaret Cho, but like she wasn't a sex, you know, people don't look at comedy people as like sexual beings for some reason. Yeah. They don't, they don't classify them as sexy, which is fucking bizarre to me, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's definitely changing now, I feel like, but still, yeah. Or like an anime Wong character. Oh, um, yeah, but she she was, my God, that pioneer of a woman. Yeah. But it was like her and then like nothing for like 
decades and decades for decades. and decades. And she was really smart because she knew how to play with the image of an Asian woman. Yes. And it wasn't always like perfect. You know what I mean? But it, she knew how to kind of take the um, exotic, exoticism and the, um, you know, hypersexuality and kind of turn it on its head, mm-hmm. which I think was really clever. I feel like even in, in just like a lot of like sitcoms, there's always like, oh, oh, remember in Friends with um, Ross? He had an Asian girlfriend named Julie. I thought that was actually a really cool representation of Asian American females. Do you remember that? No, I didn't watch it. I think Ross, I think it maybe in season one or two of Friends, he has an Asian girlfriend and I think they get like a cat together or something. And Rachel's like crazy jealous of her. But I was like, I, and I love Rachel and everything, whatever. But um, I thought that was like one of the only depictions on like television that just showed like an Asian character that was just being normal and not being like super sexy. And how was she portrayed like just, besides just normal honestly just normal like i'm surprised wow. we don't talk about her more maybe there were smaller things but i remember re-watching friends last year and i was like i was pleasantly surprised at how like not stereotypical the representation was of it that's amazing yeah that's really fucking cool yeah and then there was also like bruce lee you know the legendary bruce lee that really took oh like i know you know and we're talking about like you know, like sort of the sexiness and power of an Asian man. But then people go on to say, but he's not full Asian. I'm like, whatever. He like really, you know, he really kicked things off and like yeah. really made them look at us in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And he was read as, as, as Asian. Yeah. Chinese. Yeah. So he's really fucking hot. <laughs> but yeah. So if you guys have, you know, stories about either female pleasure or about what it feels like to be an Asian American woman being like hypersexualized um, or what it's like being an Asian American man male identifying, feeling um, emasculated, please send us a voice note um, to hello at two horny goats. We really want to hear about your experiences because, you know, Roxy and I, you know, we run the gamut of a lot of experiences, but we there's no way we could understand the world without your perspective as well. We love you guys. Thank you. And on that note, I think it's time for... Um, so my picks this week, uh, like I said, at the top of the show, I went to Joshua Tree. And one of the first things I realized was all of the recommendation lists for like restaurants and whatnot always recommended this Indian food place. And so I was like, OK, like Indian food. Interesting. Um, so it's called Sam's Indian Food and Pizza. Um, and I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, like pizza? Like what is happening? And then all of the like descriptions that I saw, it always said like um, Sam's Indian Food, actually good Indian food. And I was like, oh, OK, so cool. Um, so my husband and I, we we went, we were masked up and we noticed that it was just like in this like little strip mall. I think it was owned by a sick family um, and the, they own the entire strip mall pretty much. So wow. they have like a convenience store, like a restaurant, like a smoke shop. Like it, it, it's like they run that entire like Their little empire. operation. Yeah. Love. And so like in their liquor store, it was really cool because they have a ton of Indian spices and they have all these like, you know, Persian ingredients, like really, really interesting. So we go next door and we're like looking at the Indian food like menu. And then I noticed they make a curry pizza. Mm. So let me just let that sink in for a minute. They make a curry pizza um, and they so you can get it with tikka masala um, chicken on top and um, some paneer. This actually sounds fucking bomb. It's actually fucking bomb. And it came out hot and piping. And like Abe and I were just like, oh, my God, like it's a revelation. And like, basically, it's like it makes so much sense because it's like non with curry. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it makes a lot of sense. But then at the same time, the format, it comes in a pizza box. It like smells like pizza and you open Is it, it up. cheese. 
there's cheese on there's it. cheese on it um oh my God, and then a korma yes. sauce so it's like it's like cream Ooh. sauce like cream and curry <gasps> oh. yeah so if you're ever taking a little trip out to joshua tree i would highly recommend checking out sam's indian food and pizza um and then my second rec is also during our trip um read the book on earth we're briefly gorgeous by oh my Ocean god Vaughan. i love this book roxy i was crying every page like I every i thought it's fucking <laughs> it's so good i thought pachinko was a tearjerker this book is so it's almost like poetry it, it mm. in fact it it really isn't even prose like it is prose but it's so poetic um and it's so beautiful and it's told from the perspective of a vietnamese american um talking about his mom talking about growing up with uh parents that have dealt with so much trauma um intergenerational trauma uh firsthand trauma and then uh transferring that over to the next generation um and both the love and the anger that abides those uh, two and um it's a beautiful read so definitely and check also that out so the title Ugh. <laughs> and just just goes to remind us that like we're just here for a short amount of time we're here for a brief amount of time oh my gosh and, you some know, of the like, most beautiful like metaphors about butterflies i've ever seen oh my god no i need to get back into reading i think after if i ever go back to la after this job is <laughs> <laughs> la misses you okay but rocks what I are know. your picks um, so I've been in Utah for a month now and, uh, you know, the, the locations here are just so gorgeous. Like there's Ugh. national parks everywhere. I know I was talking about like Zion last week, but, Ugh. um, I want to talk about like the one day that I managed to not <laughs> be in quarantine, but, um, also there's, and before quarantine, I went to this place called Bonneville Salt Flats right. and it's basically these beautiful, large, like the largest salt flats just West of like Salt Lake, um, yeah. in the Western United States. And uh, this is also the record of the land. This is like the highest land speed records ever is also done here. So it's just like an hour and a half outside of Salt Lake City. It is beautiful, magical. It feels like you're on the moon and the horizon as far as you can see. If you come here during the rain season, it's like a mirror reflected in the sky. Perfect for those gram photos, mom. Saying I'm coming to visit I you. Just, I don't even care anymore. I'm coming. I, <laughs> I was like, I had like McDonald. I was like going out for McDonald's, and I ended up like just driving an hour oh and a half God. to these salt flats. So it's just absolutely gorgeous it's so gorgeous and then the second pick i have is uh this was recommended by my ad it's called secret lake but it's spelled with a c e c r e t so instead of s it's c secret lake in little cottonwood canyon and this is a hike and i had no idea that this was going to be a hike ten thousand feet of elevation so i was like taking a couple breaths and i was fucking dying and it was also like 30 degrees doing that (laughs) i know i was just like i just don't know what i'm doing and so i would just drive um you know, it's it's in between like uh, Park City and Salt Lake. So uh, this is like really high up in the mountains. And then this, it's a secret lake because you go on this hike and you have no idea where this fucking lake is. Oh my God. And you have to climb up this like these the, the swingbacks of like a hill, which is like really, really, really difficult. Oh but then God. once you get to the top, there's this beautiful, <gasps> magical lake oh that God. is so still, that is so clear. <gasps> and it is so fucking quiet that like... If you go there early in the morning, you see the sunrise and see the colors come up and you're on your own, like 
it just 15 minutes of pure solitude with mother nature is like the greatest gift that anyone can ever ask for. So oh gosh, no wonder you look so happy because you're communing <laughs> with nature. God damn. I, love, I know mother nature. She heals me. I think she heals all of us, I think but so uh, too. those are my two picks. I love for it this week. Well, rocks, you're going to pull a card for the collective. Thanks for everyone for tuning in to another week of two horny goats. Um, go ahead and send your energy out to us right now out to Roxy. She's going to pull a card for all of us. Rocks, what is what are the cards saying? All right. So um, I left my Rebel deck Oracle cards back in Los Angeles. So for the next couple weeks while I'm in Utah, we're going to be doing traditional tarot. So okay. let's see. Universe Spirit Guides, please help us give a message. Oh, whoa. Ooh. We have the full card come out. Okay. So the full card shows a man looking up to the universe, looking up to the sky, just as just a, just as he's about to take a leap off the cliff. Um, so the fool talks about taking risks and believing in the universe and taking that giant leap of faith. So whether it's going towards a new career, moving away, you know, like telling the person that you like that you have feelings for them, like, you know, just really obliterating that fear of the unknown of the uncertainty. Wow, this is really relevant to 2020. Am I hey, right? Hey. Um, so just like really taking like the fool is probably my favorite card out of the tarot deck because it just talks about believing in yourself and like Understanding that there are consequences to your actions, but also knowing that no matter what it is, what you're supposed to do, the universe will catch you, you know, but at least you did it and you took a chance on yourself. So love um, it. the full card, you know, like really let that sit. I know that a lot of us are afraid to take big chances, but um, the full card is just about, you know, knowing that you'll be protected no matter what and go ahead and go after that dream and take a giant leap of faith. I love it so much. Oh, so much. Okay, well, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Roxy, for reading a card for us. And have a horny week. Our lovely goatees. And remember, stay, stay horny. We love you guys. See you next week. This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Prisca. Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com. This week's outro music features Artful Dodger by our friend Inch Chua. Inch says, Artful Dodger is from my sophomore record, Bum Fuzzle. I was dating an enigma at the time, who was also a comedian. Yep. The cold would be unpredictable. The less predictable. How could I have jumped into bed with thee?